Well, delving into controversy is something we seem to do well here. Sometimes intentionally, other times we just seem to step in it. But that being said, we've got a little bit of that today. We're going to jump into um, Christian music uh, and a little bit different Christian music. We're going to have Pastor Brian Sauvey coming on to talk about his album, Even Dragons Shall Him Praise. It was the number one Christian album in April, and it was even a top 20 album across all genres over Taylor Swift, over Chris Stapleton. Uh, And this is just an ordinary pastor in Utah uh, singing psalms, um, and man, it went wild. So we're going to talk about why we think that is, some of the problems that we see in conservative and Christian media, and how we need to do storytelling better, uh, and the need for the people who are blessed by the content that that some of these guys who have figured it out are doing, uh, the need for support uh, from folks like you, uh, including even us here at 1819 News. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome, everyone, to 1819 News, the podcast. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this here podcast. I have a great podcast. We have a great podcast for you today. Um, involving Christian music in a different form than you've probably heard it, and it's doing extremely well. I'm going to be bringing on Pastor Brian Sauvey to talk about his album, uh, The Christian and Conservative Media Landscaping, Why We Suck at It So Bad and What We Need to Do to Fix It. Uh, And then our behind the scenes is going to be uh, what we call the plastic sword of Christless conservatism. Can there be a conservative movement without Christ, Christianity, and the Word of God at the center of it? Uh, we're open for debate on this. So I'm looking forward to the emails that may come in, but uh, you know, I, I think it's worth having the conversation to see. Uh, but we're going to jump into that. But before we do, I want to ask you guys to support conservative Christian media, to support uh, nonprofit news, to support independent journalism um, by supporting 1819 News. Alabama needs 1819 News. 1819 News needs you. Uh, to become a member. So memberships start as little as $5 a month. Uh, With that, you'll get access to behind-the-scenes content, uh, merch uh, coming in at at whatever level uh, you invest in 1819 News. You will get, uh, you know, everything from a sticker uh, and a magazine subscription all the way up to hoodies, coffee cups, hats, t-shirts, and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, and that's a big deal. And we're actually going to jump into that, talking about um, supporting uh, independent media and supporting uh, people with the right worldview and 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 how that is kind of part of the monetization structure of this new media movement and how important it really is uh, for people who benefit from media to put their money where their ears and eyes and I guess mouth is uh, on that. So um, so joining me today is Pastor Brian Sauvey. He's pastor of Refuge Church in Utah. He's also a content creator and Christian music artist uh, with New Christendom Press. Married to Lexi Sauvey, and they have how many children, Brian? Six. So five out, and then one still cooking. One still cooking. There you go. So I'm Brian with a Y and seven kids. He misspells his name with an I and six kids. <laughs> uh, and and we're here to entertain you for the next hour or so. Well, well thanks thank, for having me, Brian. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm fired up to have you on here and introducing you to my audience. Um, there is a whole world out there on Twitter and the whole Christian media space that's a little bit rowdier than what a lot of people perceive of 
kind of Kendrick brother, Christian media, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Not to say that stuff that they have done isn't good. I've been blessed by a lot of their stuff. Um, but there's a lot of conversations and it's really interesting, um, seeing the conversations right now that are being had specifically even today, uh, on Twitter, watching people hash things out and, and work through different concepts to see why is it that Christianity has become so ineffective, um, in our media, in our evangelism in everything. Um, it just seems to be altogether, I don't know if truncated is the right word, but impotent a little bit. And, and what is it that we can do? To make um, Christianity more potent, not necessarily more attractive, but more potent, uh, that we can be more effective in this horrible age that we're living in with all the wickedness uh, coming in uh, in the ways that it is. Uh, I believe the way to fight back um, is with the Word of God, uh, and so does Brian. So we're going to be talking about that. Um, but what prompted me to have you on was your, um, your newest album. Um, it is, um, even dragons shall him praise. Is that right? That's right, man. I got it right. Good deal. You nailed it. <laughs> and, um, man, my, my whole household has been singing it. I've been singing it. It's on repeat, uh, over and over and over. And it's just incredible, uh, incredible music. And it's, it's God glorifying Christ exalting, um, well done Christian music. And, um, it's been pretty successful, uh, based off of what I've seen. And so talk a little bit about the album, uh, the success that you've seen from a kind of by the numbers perspective. Well, sure. Thank you so much. That's, that's encouraging to hear that the, the quality and the effort comes through. Uh, the album is my first, uh, professionally produced album. I've done some, another full length album, a few EPs, and uh, I do some work in the Westminster Shorter Catechism as well. Um, but this is the first one that I brought in and, you know, did a Kickstarter-type fundraiser, was able to bring in a professional producer and some great supporting musicians to help make it happen. Uh, but the album is 10 psalms, so I, I set whole psalms to music, and then two original songs as well. And uh, the goal being to set essentially whole psalms from the Christian scriptures to music in a way that would fit the motifs and the themes and the content of those psalms, and also to do it in a musically excellent and interesting way that is faithful to the text and includes every element that is there in the original psalm. Uh, and so this album, I set out really to make the kind of music that I listen to when left to my own devices, which is more along the lines of kind of a low country or Appalachian sound, Coulter Wall, uh, Tyler Childers kind of stuff. And uh, so a lot of the psalms are set to that style in the album, banjo, fiddle, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, a lot of stuff like that. Um, and uh, just had a great time seeing this project through a year plus of work. And uh, since it came out, it did, uh, it went much, much, much further than I expected it uh, hit number one on the iTunes chart for album sales of Christian albums altogether, and then it did get into the top 20 on all albums on iTunes in all categories, ahead of some Taylor Swift and even a Chris Stapleton album for a minute there. Wow. Uh, so it's been streamed somewhere between half a million and a million times since the beginning of April when it came out and uh, gotten great, great response to it so far. So yeah, thankful to everybody who's listening, the Lord for blessing the work, and uh, hope hope you guys check it out if you're listening and enjoy it. 
Absolutely. And again, Even Dragons Shall Him Praise is the album. We'll have that in the show notes and description and all that uh, where you can go to get it. I mean, obviously, you're looking at iTunes, YouTube, any of those places. But the question I posed to you on social media, I think, is one that's really helpful um, before we jump into the rest of it, because uh, I just want people to go and listen. This is something new. This is something different. It's And we're going to jump into contemporary Christian music versus Psalms and this style of music, what the differences are, why we believe this is more potent. Um, but how can they go and buy the album so that you actually benefit from it versus just listening to it on YouTube ad finitum where they get all the money and you get nothing? <laughs> sure. Yeah. The, the, so I have a page on my website. I can send you a link and it's got you know links to all of these different places. But really in the streaming economy, an artist typically makes, I think, $0.004. So just under half a cent per stream. Or uh, if you if you purchase an album on a platform like Amazon or iTunes to download it, artists might you know make seventy percent of the album cost. So I think my album's listed right around fourteen or fifteen dollars, and I, I get you know ten to twelve something like that when people buy it. So that's a huge help for sure. Uh, I always encourage people if you if you enjoy the work that an artist is doing, and particularly in the the Christian arts, film, music, whatever it is, podcasts to purchase whatever they they have and stream stream it after that and then uh you know support on if we use Patreon but there's lots of different type of membership platforms where people can really like you said at the beginning about your own project here at 1819 um that they can really put their money where their mouth is and help make it possible and yeah. uh you know pitch in so I couldn't have done this album without the help of hundreds of supporters who who uh, help support it in that way that's awesome. All right. So, and, and again, I'm just going to jump in on that and, and I think we'll get to that in the second segment, but, but it is, it's imperative. Um, you know, when you see big corporate music, when you see big corporate anything, you know, the reason news is free is because it's not news. It's propaganda by somebody. Um, right. and the reason 1819 news is not that is because we had, you know, um, gracious conservative Christian businessmen, who saw a need for there to be an independent news company in the state of Alabama. And they gave me capital to get that started. And then the hope being that the people of Alabama would benefit from it and, and step up and do $5 a month, $10 a month, $18 and 19 cents a month uh, or more or whatever it is. And so um, that is really important. And I'm just going to continue to dig that and dig that and dig that in. And we'll talk about it again before the podcast is over because it's that important. But um, next topic I want to talk about is, you know, CCM, uh, versus Psalms. And so, um, you know, I, as do you, uh, seem to specialize in the controversial. I am in a completely different space of controversy than where you find yourself often, but no less controversial. Um, but here's going to be some places I think we have a little bit of overlap. Um, we've had Pastor Rich Lusk come in here and talk about, um, you know, the importance of theology and music and stuff, but we just barely touched on it. We didn't really get into it. But Contemporary Christian music, a lot of times, like you take like a Danny Goki or something, right? This is a guy that was on American Idol, was trying to make it in secular music. He couldn't make it in secular music. And they're like, but you know who will listen to you? Christians. And so then all of a sudden he makes a Christian album and is like, Jesus, yeah. You know, and then does this whole thing and, 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 and they get you emotional with the music and everything. And the words are really shallow and there's no theology. And you don't even really know if the guy knows. And maybe Danny Goki does. I don't know. But I'm just... I'm, I'm characterizing, um, the situation and, 
you know, um, music is hypnotizing. Music touches our souls. It influences us. And what we have in our ears is discipling us, be it podcasts, be it sermons, be it music. And if we're going to be quote unquote hypnotized or discipled through that, which is coming through our earbuds or speakers, um, it should be something that's theologically sound and good. And I, and it just in contemporary Christian music that I, I don't find that to be the case. Here comes hate mail, but talk about that. Uh, and then, you know, the importance of the Psalms. And so even, so you have contemporary Christian music on one end, Psalms on the other, and then hymns, I think are in the middle. And so I think hymns is good common ground. Um, so yeah, go on riff on that if you will. Yeah, sure. So the the fundamental issue that we have to recognize is that music encodes either truth or lies in a way that increases their potency. So if you take something true, and uh, let's say it's a truth that is sad or dark or angry, and you set it to music in a way that underscores that truth and emotional texture, it, it, it's just by the nature of being set to music excellently, it's going to increase the potency of that message in terms of affecting a human being. God made us this way. Same thing with with a lie. If you take a lie and you, you know, let's take the lie of the all of the lies that come along with the sexual revolution, for example. Yeah. And you encode them into music, you're actually going to increase the effectiveness of that lie in terms of its ability to worm its way into human hearts and souls and minds, affect the way they think about what is true, what is good, what is beautiful, as well as what is uh, evil, detestable, and ugly. And so when we're talking about art and music and film and culture and these things, we're not talking about like secondary effects where you could just sweep away all of the the distraction of aesthetics and music and beauty and just sort of get everything down to the brute logic and a set of propositions that people can assent to or argue with. Uh, human beings weren't made that way. We're not just hard drives or brains on a stick. Um, we are embodied souls who are made in the image of God. God uh, commands us to sing. He commands creation itself to sing. God in Zephaniah 3 sings over his people. Uh, and so singing is a very important thing. It's not just an optional accessory to our Christian faith. Uh, it's something we are commanded to do. And one of the things that we are commanded to do is actually to sing the Psalms, right? In, in Colossians 3, in Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul commands Christians to sing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and uh, making melody in our hearts, uh, thankfulness to God, uh, and and so it, it's it does tells tell us something about the state of Christian culture in particular that many Christians I would say probably the majority of Christians go through the average year fifty two services at a church without ever singing a single psalm from beginning to end a psalm of David uh, or you know one of one of the psalms of Moses or as sons of Korah in in the scriptures um, so on the one end I would say Christians do need to recover psalm singing. Uh, and I, I began my work in setting psalms actually to help my own church to be faithful to this command um, where it was difficult to find settings for the type of music we did at that time that actually sang a whole psalm faithfully without lopping off big portions of it. Uh, since then, we've moved to singing in four-part harmony with a piano to a hymnal and a psalter, which I think lets, lets uh, more range happen, and men to sing like men, women to sing like women. But um, I, I mean, that's just a basic issue there. 
it, it, even then when you move into the broader, if we're not singing psalms, what are we singing? Yeah. Well, a lot of the stuff we are singing is is decently fine in terms of its theology with what it speaks to. There's some great hymns. We, we sing hymns as well at church, some great hymns, old and new. Um, but a whole lot of Christian music today is, uh, music. I would say, musically shallow and lyrically shallow mm. and hyper-focused on certain themes to the exclusion of others that are important. Yeah. So we sing a lot about the love of God and particularly the love of God for me, myself, and I. Mm-hmm. But we don't, and the Psalms do sing about God's love for us. His steadfast love endures forever. Yeah. However, do we sing about God's hatred of evil? Because you sing about that in Psalm in the Psalms, yeah. Psalm one thirty nine. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? I hate them with perfect hatred. David says and we're commanded to sing Psalms like that. So I, I think there's an imbalance there that could be corrected by a, a robust recovery of Psalm singing and also tapping into the rich legacy of hymnody that the church has laid up over the the ages. That was a lot, but <laughs> that's kind of a snapshot of yeah. how I'm thinking about these issues. No, and I mean I, I think that is uh dead on the money um on on the on the the of of putting it couching it in a in a palatable way of hey, you know, sure maybe some of this stuff is good. God's love is good. We need to talk about God's love. You know, and I think it gets to the point with some of the Christian contemporary music where you know, there was a South Park episode where they just like exchanged um, the name of the person in a love song and they just put Jesus in it. And it was like, you <laughs> yeah. know, and 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 it was parroting the fact that that's what a lot of contemporary Christian music is turned into is just a love song. And instead of, you know, your girlfriend that you're singing about, you just put Jesus in it and then boom, there's <laughs> there's your music. And again, yeah. you know, God saved me from absolute horrid circumstances and, you know, a pit of of the prison of a prison cell. I think you um, may know a little bit about my story. And so, you know, all the mm-hmm. chain breaking and all of those things are close near and dear to my heart. Love it. Um, but I think we have to go deeper. I think we have to go farther uh, and to get into the, the, the character of God, who he is, his attributes, his nature. Um, and I, and I think we find that in the scriptures and specifically in the Psalms, which were music that was written for us to sing. So yeah, good stuff. Definitely. Even, even when you think about something like, you know, the project at 1819 has a lot to do with the world of the civic polis, the the, yeah. the political realm. Well, if you sing the Psalms regularly, you will find that you're you're singing quite a bit of political theology. Yeah. You're singing in Psalm two about um the 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 command that God issues to the the kings of men yeah. to acknowledge the Lordship of Christ, that they're not the ones who our senators and congressmen and politicians, they ultimately don't have the power to define what is the good and what is what is the bad. Yeah. They they have to reference some higher authority outside of themselves. Well, the Psalms command them to bend the knee to Christ as Lord in order to set the 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 moral vision even for the political realm. Uh so I think those are some themes you probably wouldn't see in the in the average contemporary Christian song today. But you absolutely will if you get a hold of the the, the biblical psalms. Amen. Well, that's good stuff. Um, we're going to hit a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Christians and media, conservatives and media, um, are for whatever reason just inability to tell stories well in conservative and Christian media. And again, we'll hit monetization and support because why not? Um, and we'll wrap up and head to our behind the scenes stuff, but, um, let's jump into a quick commercial break. 
Hey y'all, it's Allison Sinclair with Alabama Unfiltered. A lot of people ask me, what can I do to actually make a difference in DC and in my state government? And one of the most effective things you can do is write an old school letter to your elected officials. It seems super simple, but a written through the mail letter gets their attention much more than an email or a phone call. I use the Quick Letter app from my phone to write letters and it makes it so easy to write all of my representatives in DC and in our state a real letter in a matter of minutes. And so Quick Letter automatically determines your representatives and their mailing addresses. You write or dictate a letter on your phone and tap the name of every representative you want to receive that letter. And Quick Letter handles the delivery address, the return address, the greeting, the closing, the signature, the printing, stuffing, stamping, and placing your letter in the U.S. mail. Your governor, attorney general, state legislators, your U.S. senators, and congressmen need to hear from you. And it doesn't have to be elaborate. Actually, a brief, simple letter usually has the most impact. Send a quick letter today and every day. Go to quickletter.com, that's K-W-I-K, quickletter.com, or download the Quick Letter app today. All right, guys, welcome back. Thank you for sticking around segment two through the commercial break. And before we jump into that segment, I do want to talk about our sponsor, Jim Hicks and Quick Letter, KWIK Letter. Uh, the importance of what he's doing cannot be overstated. Uh, he's created an app that makes it uh, super simple for you to sit down on your phone, uh, type out a letter to your legislator, to your senator, to your governor, to your representative, whoever, um, and let your voices be heard. Um, you, as soon as you press send on there, uh, it goes to them. They end up printing it out on a letter. Uh, it looks very, very nice, and it's sealed and sent. Uh, and each time I have done that, I've gotten a response, actually, from my legislators uh, telling me how nice it was presented and everything else. So use that. We're in a legislative session right now. Uh, make your voices heard. There's so much going on. Um, use Quick Letter. Um, start firing off letters today. All right, so we are back with Pastor Brian Sauvey. Looks like Suave, Salve. He's. I might be the only person who's ever gotten it right the first time, and it's only because I've heard it. You nailed him. it. Yes. Yeah, so you nailed it. S-A-U-V-E, for those listening, uh, if you're looking up his stuff, B-R-I-A-N-S-A-U-V-E, Brian Sauve. Um, so there you go. So we're back with Pastor Brian, uh, and we're going to jump into Christians in media, and I'm not going to limit it to Christians. We'll just say conservatives in media. I mean, other than than Mel Gibson, we are just comically deficient uh, at the art of storytelling. Um, you know, and and uh, Nefarious, I went and saw it, Steve Dace, the movie that, that he did with those guys, and that was head and shoulders above a lot of the movies, but it even had a little bit of cheese there at the end. The ending, I'm not going to do any spoiler alerts, but it had. it's like no matter what, they didn't do any weird, like, I got hit by a car, I'm going to say the prayer and invite Jesus into my heart, and then I die and go to heaven. <laughs> There was none of that cheese in it, but there was there is a little bit. It's almost like we can't make a, a Christian movie other than Mel Gibson <laughs> that that doesn't have a little bit of 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 cheese in it. And so I don't know what it is. I before I came to 1819 News, I worked at a show called Our American Stories. My boss was Lee Habib. He was a master storyteller. He worked uh, with um, the guy who wrote Braveheart. He's good friends with him. He gets storytelling, but he's also not a filmmaker. He does audio, fully produced audio storytelling and things like that. And it is, and that's a medium that that we need to be doing well in, and he's doing that. But 
man, the power of storytelling to change the human heart and to influence the culture. It, it, you can't imagine, you can't put into words how powerful it is. And we are just getting our tails kicked. Yeah. Art, like I said about music, but it's true of art in general. Art just is a way of encoding truth or lies into a more potent package. And I think one thing that conservatives generally get wrong about this is they 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 hyper focus on the data points and the facts and the truth that they're trying to encode in the art the artistic medium but then they they fail to understand the way that medium works and then they fail to to in, in approach or engage with the medium as it's intended to work yeah so instead of taking film and making a great film that moves you and, and makes you, you know, makes you feel sad about something or, you know, exultant about something or shows something as beautiful or a, we we focus so much on the message that we end up sometimes making the medium, the film itself, like a thin veneer or just a very bald packaging yeah. for the thing. And uh, I think that fails to to understand adequately just how powerful uh simply showing the world that God made as he made it, like showing dark and evil and wicked events as dark and evil and wicked in a moving way, yeah. showing beauty as beauty. And the left gets this. The left knows how to tell a story and use media to slowly move the window, the Overton window, and to slowly you know, catechize us. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll start working in. LGBTQ plus characters into every one of their stories yep. and they'll work very hard to make them look beautiful and glorious uh, or you, you can go on and on. And I think conservatives generally need to do a better job of telling the story and not attempting to just, uh, you know, make it into a very thinly veiled polemic, everything that we do artistically. Yeah. You know, in one of the things that we're attacking here in Alabama is um, we're a bit of a conundrum or an exception to the general rule. And the general rule is that politics and public policy is downstream from culture. Nothing happens in politics and public policy till it first takes place in the culture. And media drives culture. So the left has heavily invested billions for over a generation now, 40 to 50 years. They've been investing billions with a B into media knowing that media influences culture and that politics and public policy reflects the culture. Now in Alabama, we have an incredible culture. Our politics don't reflect it because our people, anyway, it's a whole deal. I'll go into that some other day. I've done it a million times on here, but I'm going to go to the general rule. And the general rule is that the media drives culture, culture drives politics. And so you take um, will and grace, for instance, Obergefell doesn't happen without will and grace. You know, you go back pre-Will and Grace, even homes that were left of center, you hear Joe Biden talk. I just watched a video on uh, Facebook Reels yesterday where it was Joe Biden in like, I don't know, 2000, and he was talking about marriage is between an, a, man, a man and a woman. I don't see what's so hard to understand about that, guys, okay? You know, and, it's, and yep. so there he is saying it very plainly, and so that was that Overton window, right, was very much even the center left. Uh, and and the, the the Democrat, the Bill Clinton, JFK Democrat, uh, was very much marriages between a man and a woman. That's just the way it is. It would be insane to think it was anything else. That was the Overton window. Poof, here comes Will and Grace. They take something that was considered vile, wicked, taboo, and they make the vile, wicked, taboo 
thing and they put it in the the character of a person who's witty and funny that you'd actually like to hang out with and they come into your living room every Wednesday night and make you laugh and then all of a sudden you know maybe they're not so bad and then boom now all of a sudden there's this this broad acceptance uh because it's cool and it's accepted and they've now shifted the Overton window to the point where the Supreme Court can pass a ruling like Obergefell without uh, the whole world going into uh, an ab- absolute riot. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and you also see the way that these two things, it's not just a one-way street where culture is uh, upstream from politics in many ways, but it does flow in both directions where we see the uh, you know will and grace and the cultural acceptance of homosexuality and then a legal acceptance follows but then it's it's also the case that without a Burgerfell, you're not going to get the trans issue today yep. in this accelerationist way. Uh, good laws actually do have a, a pedagogical effect. They yeah. instruct the people, and they have a preventative, a restraining effect on evil. Um, I think of the way that less than three percent of the of the population, when we're talking about something like the LGBTQ movement. Less than 3% of the population was able, they didn't have a dominant cultural position. They were able through media and culture and also through uh, canny and uh, clever political maneuvering and packaging, move the needle of the culture. And so we see this two-way direction between culture, art, media, and also politics, law, where they're mutually interactive yeah. And uh, you, you need you need to work. You, you need both sides. Yeah. No, I mean, that's spot on. So um, I want to I want to save some of this for our behind the scenes stuff. But one of the things that drives me crazy in the conservative movement, and, and, I, and I've heard some of this stuff even on your guys's podcast, the King's Hall podcast. Um, in the conservative movement, so you go over to the left and you have National Public Radio, right? National Public Radio is a 501c3 not-for-profit uh, foundation create uh, that is connected to a content production and distribution platform. And you look at their pyramid, they have all their big philanthropic billionaires that give to all of their think tanks. And those think tanks create content ideas for their content people who then turn that into content on NPR and then it broadcasts out to 33 million people a week. Well, conservatives have their billionaires that give to think tanks and it just stops there, right? Hmm. And so these think tanks have gone and hoovered up all the conservative dollars where we should be investing heavily into the media and storytelling space. Instead, it gets gobbled up by, you know, AEI and the Hoover Institute and all these other, you know, um, you know, and then all of our big conservative uh, billionaire donors are giving tens, if not, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to their alma mater that is working as hard as they can to, you know, absolutely ruin the next generation through the filth that they're teaching there. Um, and so it's just a really interesting thing, the way that our donors donate. And, and I have to be very careful. I've been extremely blessed and, and by conservative donors who see farther than that. But I'm I'm speaking very generally about conservative donors and their investment strategies and, and kind of why. And I went on a rant and the rant was stolen from one of your guys' podcasts, uh, wholesale, full stop. Um, about the cow farts. Right. And so, you know, um, we will, uh, you know, AOC comes out knowing she's going to say the most ridiculous thing that she doesn't expect anyone to believe or care about, but she says it with everything she has, that cow farts are causing global warming. Therefore we need the green new deal and the green new deal on the face of it is the dumbest thing anyone's ever seen in the world. 
But she doesn't <laughs> care because she knows that she has the media on her side and all these other things. And she comes out and says, cow farts are going to kill us. We have to, we have to stop eating meat. We have to get rid of the cows. We have to do the green new deal. And rather than us laughing at her, we spend a hundred million dollars on a think tank white paper talking about cow farts don't actually have that much methane. Right. And again, it's just, we're always in this response, respond to the left, um, you know, positioning, uh, and, and it's really ridiculous. And so I think one of the ways that we can, can change that is, um, by finding folks that, that will invest in this area. And rather than responding to the left, we can actually go out there. Breitbart always said, we, you know, we have the superior product, we have truth and we need to package that truth as you've been saying with art uh, and so that we can begin to move that Overton window. And we're never going to do that as long as we're reacting to what the left is doing rather than really telling, painting a picture of the good life and what's good, true and beautiful. Yeah. And, and that requires us, the conservative world to have a compelling vision that is that both internally and externally is coherent and coherently explains the world around us that explains why evil is evil, why good is good, why beauty is, is beautiful, why, ugliness is ugly and and then to encode that message with with skill in the form of fiction and nonfiction and storytelling and film and music and uh, instead of that a lot of the time what people think about when they think of conservative art culture conservative um, culture making endeavors it, it, a lot of times it's boiled down to country music where we're singing about like Donald Trump yeah or it's like a a, a political jingle that's talking about how dumb Joe Biden is or yeah. something like that and, and I'm I'm just thinking why are we doing this we have the beauty of marriage defined by the Lord God and we have uh, this this totalizing world view that explains every particle of the universe in all of its compelling beauty let's let's write better music better books better Film. Yeah. Let's 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 demonstrate the beauty of our worldview from the ground up, and do that with skill instead of just getting continually pushed around and played, letting them set the narrative, and then constantly bickering and writing lengthy, wordy white papers, like you said, instead of just simply laughing. Yeah, <laughs> like a good horse laugh. I've heard it said is yeah. a better argument against a lot of leftist policy than than any amount of. Uh, you know, logic chopping. Yeah. So I think the left gets that, and I hope conservatives are are waking up to this reality. I think I think they are. Yeah. Um, and I hope that continues. Yeah. And we'll talk about it in our behind the scenes. But I mean, the Daily Wire, right? That's our conservative media. Fox News, freaking trash, right? Fox News yeah. is absolute trash. We saw what they just did to Tucker. Um, mm -hmm. Then you got the Daily Wire that is totally neocon.com, essentially just. You know, they govern what you can and can't say, you know, and, and they get into, you know, they finally get Jordan Peterson, the most coveted person that's been, everyone's wanted him to do a podcast. They finally talk him into it. And the first podcast he does is with Dave Rubin on, you know, the promises and perils of homosexual parenting. And it's like, yeah. this, this, this isn't how we win. This isn't it. No. So very frustrating. Well, let's uh, once again, talk about, uh, well, before we jump into the monetization and support, Evolving media landscape with streaming, um, you know, that's really interesting. It used to be how it was so controlled. There was three channels, ABC, NBC, CBS, and that was where you got your stuff. Well, then it broadened out into cable. And now, you know, the biggest media platform out there right now, the biggest content creator most listened to is Joe Rogan. He's got a freaking podcast, right? And Joe Rogan and Robert Malone had 50 million downloads. 
right? That's like a Super Bowl, you know? And yeah, so he's not, you know, he's with Spotify, but if Spotify dropped him, he could just start a website and he'd still have 50 million people. You know what I mean? Like he's right. He's not yeah. controlled. Um, it will be very interesting to see what Tucker Carlson does. But, yeah. um, you know, I have heard it said, you know, we start to freak out more and more when we when we see the canceling happened and we see, oh, they're taking control of this. But really what's happening is that everything's becoming decentralized with the more distribution platforms that you have and you can create, you know, your own Patreon channel and your own content and you can deliver it to your own audience and you're able to do this. And and for now, that's unfettered. You know, Joe Rogan creates content and millions and millions and millions of people come and get it. And CBS isn't there telling him, hey, you can't say this, you can't say that. Fox News isn't telling him, hey, you can't say this, you can't say that. So I, I think one of the ways, you know, it, it is nerve wracking right now that we see, you know, Facebook telling you what you can and can't say. You see, you know, YouTube. I mean, we got kicked off YouTube. I always say if you're in Christian media and you haven't got kicked off YouTube, what are you doing? Um, and so we got the boot. Um, so it, it is frustrating, but but I think the long game, which is what we're playing, you can actually start to see that, that that this is a net positive because they're trying to control, trying to control, trying to control, and what they realize is they're having less and less of it. Yeah, it's and the gatekeeping is going to continue. You're going to see, I mean, I think increased scrambling for justification to to pass things that will basically function like the Patriot Act for social media and yeah. to give the government total cancel control over internet platforms. Uh, you've seen this with the on-ramping to things like cryptocurrency markets as well, where the government's going to come in and basically attempt to close all of the doors and re-centralize. Whenever a technology decentralizes, their goal is going to be to re-centralize, reconquer, yeah. and, and reclaim control over that thing. Uh, so it, it's imperative that Christians do put effort into, I think, both things, where they you, you go and you try to win on... Twitter and on Facebook and on YouTube and and do your best there. And if they kick you off, they kick you off. And you also build your own thing, you know, build your own platforms, build your own institutions. Yeah. We need Christians who will do both, who will attempt to reconquer institutions that exist, and also Christians who will and conservatives who will uh build their own institutions yeah. and then defend them. Because yeah. the I mean, as soon as an institution that's built by a real conservative thing gets big and powerful the immediate temptations come in to centralize and sell out. Yeah. And <laughs> I always tell people, give, you give look back, at give it away. Harvard, Yale, Prince. I mean, every, like all the hospitals, what every single hospital is St. Joseph, Baptist, Wesley, yeah. right? Every, every huge massive thing that was doing a net positive for hundreds of years in America was built by Christians. And right. then, you know, we just handed it all over and, and gave it away. That's a, a conversation um, for another day, one of the things that I think is most amazing about uh, what you and the guys there in Ogden with you um, have done is it's it just, it's mind boggling. And I guess you just don't trip the algorithms. You guys are probably the most controversial people on Twitter that I've seen between you and Eric <laughs> and Dan, specifically Eric. But yeah, um, sure. you guys don't really I think Eric's been in Twitter jail once. You know, and I mean, your guys' audience is huge on Twitter and it doesn't seem to be fettered because you aren't hitting the big COVID narratives and the big uh, election integrity narratives and, you know, the other narratives that it's out there looking for. Um, you guys are actually involved in this kind of challenging the Christian establishment um, on, you know, the things that are actually causing all these problems, be it, you know, 
Beth Moore and Russell Moore and all that stuff is kind of when I first started paying attention to you guys is when mm. uh, those fights were happening. And and for whatever reason, Twitter just lets you guys have the free for all and you guys amass these huge audiences. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, the, the, we definitely those those other fights that are definitely the like algorithm is ready to kick you off the minute you talk about any of those things you mentioned. Um, those those are very important fights. And, and we've touched on those for sure in different ways, but the heart of what we've been trying to build with, you know, with my music, with podcasts we do, is really to lay the foundations for a, a totalizing Christian culture. And, and that starts with the household of God. That starts with Christians recovering a totalizing view of the world, of all of the spheres uh, of influence that God has built in. And so we have done a lot of uh, speaking into the issues of the church foundationally. And uh, the algorithms aren't that theologically sophisticated, so they can't really tell the difference yet that well between a normal, you know, between a Russell Moore and uh, Brian Sauvé. They're not that great at that yet because the people running them, they're not that theologically aware. No. So that's definitely been some cover that we've been able to run under and and be incredibly based without getting kicked off of it yet, but we'll see. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, God's blessing in, in, in pagan people who have been, you know, uh, hugely beneficial to us is Elon Musk buying Twitter. I mean, that's fantastic. Yep. I, would, I would love to see him embrace the Christian faith, but he hasn't, but he's still doing net positive, you know, on, in a lot of areas in, you know, by buying Twitter, yep. you know, Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, these other guys, but um, specifically, you know, the fact, you know, us, we've, we've just been getting the crap kicked out of us by social media until Twitter was bought by yep. Elon. And now, you know, we're seeing huge, you know, we even got our little gold check mark, <laughs> which I, nice. Anyway, yeah. I felt pretty, pretty proud. <laughs> Taking us two you, years. You said we, as the kids say, we are so back. Yeah. <laughs> Take that. So, um, Awesome. Well, real quick, uh, tell us uh, again how folks can find you, the easiest way folks can find you, support you, uh, become familiar with uh, with you, New Christian Press, and all the work you guys are doing. Yeah, well, w there's a couple ways. We, I do multiple podcasts. The King's Hall podcast is one of those. Uh, the Haunted Cosmos is another where Brother and I do some high strangeness stuff from a Christian perspective, like ain't, literally Bigfoot and aliens. Uh, my, my wife and I do a podcast on marriage and the productive Christian household called Bright Hearth. All those you can just search in the podcast catchers. Um, I, I have music, and all of this lives at my website, just B-R-I-A-N-S-A-U-V-E.com. There's a bunch of links to everything else. And uh, I also do serve as the president, one of the founders of New Christendom Press, and uh, that's just newchristendompress.com, and you can figure out all of the rowdiness that we are up to there in attempting to build New Christendom one brick at a time over the long haul. Uh, so it, there's a whole lot going on, I feel like, um, and uh, it's it's kind of all lives at those two websites. Love it. Well, I appreciate the work you guys are doing, uh, the fight that you guys are fighting, and Again, whether people agree with you or disagree with you matters not. It's that the conversations are being had. The the Aegon, right? We're fighting, you know, yeah. it's a, it, we're we're all going to be in heaven together, but while we're here, we've got to figure this stuff out and 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 we need to throw down and figure out whose ideas are better, whose interpretations are correct, you know, what is going to be more the net positive and you guys are involved in that every day. 
I know countless families who've been tremendously blessed uh, by the content that you produce, uh, including mine. So grateful for you guys. Well, thank you, brother. Appreciate it. And definitely an honor to join you today. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, we will be back if you are a paying member. If you have joined the fight and become a member of 1819 News, go to 1819news.com. Click the button, become a member. Membership start as little as $5 a month, but we ask for more. Um, and you can have access to this behind-the-scenes segment I'm about to record with Pastor Brian talking about the plastic sword of Christless conservatism. Until next time, guys, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry. <laughs>